We're back. Just like I said, we'd be back. This is For the Glory KC. We're bringing a mix of in-depth Kansas City soccer knowledge and a more casual perspective. I'm Chad Smith, associate editor at kcsoccerjournal.com, who's going to take you just a little more in-depth. And I'm joined, as always, by my wife, the switchblade, Sheena Smith, who gives us that more casual perspective. Hey, Sheena, what's up? Hey, Chad, not much. That music you all just heard, got to give a shout out. We got new theme music. We're only 50-something episodes into the show. We finally got around to getting this made. It's a collaboration between the Cauldron, who are nice enough to share their audio with us, and my friend who has a band, Splitter Conspiracy. Go check them out. He whipped this together for us, and I think it's kind of cool. It's kind of, you know, for the glory of the city, here we are for the glory of KC. I feel like it just makes sense. But on today's episode, I feel like you all want to be aware of what's going to be talked about. We're going to go out of order. We're going to talk about the Houston game first, because Sporting KC got all three points. And let's start on a happy note. We're going to go into a sad note and talk about the ugly loss against Nashville. We got a bit of a mini mailbag, and then, of course, the digital crawl, y'all. But... Before we get into any nonsense, as we're known to do, I just want to give a shout out to Austin and Kayla, listeners of the show, that gave us their really good tickets that we <laughs> used for the game to go to uh, against Houston. We sat in the crowd, Sheen and I sat together. We took our kid, well, I was going to say to a babysitter, but that's not true, uh, her friend's house and their parents watched her for free. That's even better than paying for a babysitter. And they were really great seats. They were awesome. I, I enjoyed getting to see the game from that perspective. And we often sit in the cauldron of the South Stand. So that was a, a new experience for us to be in that specific part of the, the stadium. Yeah, it was really cool. And I just want to apologize in advance if you hear snoring our current foster, Doug the Pug, is snoring really loud in my office, so hopefully it doesn't come across. But if so, uh, Doug is bored by our conversation. But we had a really fun time at the game last night. What a game to go to. I think one of my favorite aspects of going to Sporting Kansas City games, and part of the reason I would say we don't have season tickets is because our kiddo isn't really into the game. So we don't take her very often. It feels like it's a waste of our money when we do take her because she's on her iPad. But anyway, so it was really fun to get out there. But my favorite part besides watching the game is after the game, watching all the players' kids run onto the field and greet their dad. And it just really warms my heart, maybe because I don't have a close relationship with my dad. I'm always in awe of like the daughter-dad relationship. But anyways, I Tim Milia's kids, so cute. Um, Gutierrez, his kids were cute. Everyone's kids. Fontes has really cute kids. Kyrie Shelton's daughter, oh my gosh, she looks so cute. But I feel like a creeper, but all that yeah, to you are a creeper. All that to say, I feel like I need to be babysitting a kid to get my kid fixed in because definitely not having a kid. But even today when I was taking out our Halloween stuff and putting it up, I came across all our Halloween books and I was like, man, our kiddo doesn't want me reading uh, Winnie the Pooh Halloween or, you know, whatever. So I'm having little kid withdrawals, I guess, but I don't want a kid permanently. I'd make a great aunt. 
for like a little kid. Obviously, <laughs> there's obviously the possibility of grandchildren in your future, right? Because you, you have a child. I don't know. And that could, yeah, she says she's never having children. She's never <laughs> getting married. But if she does get married, she's going down the <laughs> aisle to, what was it? The Star Spangled Banner or, no, did she change it to Gangnam Style, she, I believe? She yeah, said. she changed it to Gangnam Style last <laughs> week or the week before. Because this is, I guess, a conversation we have yearly. Uh, since none of that's happening anytime soon, I'll see if the next time I'm in the locker room, maybe I can put in a good word with the players, see if they want an adult woman that has a regular job in family <laughs> to be the babysitter of their kids uh, on match day, I guess. Or No, you don't want them to do it during the matches, right? Because you want to watch the matches. So at um, other random times in their lives when they need a date night or something. I don't know. I heard most of Even, the players don't live near me, so I don't know that it's realistic. <laughs> oh, maybe you can go to them and hang out in their nice house and babysit now you gotta creep the old, now your eyes get crazy now that's <laughs> that's a bridge too far not the the weird creepiness of you're just like oh my gosh I'm, as you stare at everybody's kids on the field so anyways right, let's talk about the game <laughs> yeah that feels like a good idea all right so sporting kc uh beat the houston dynamo on saturday night two to one they were shorthanded it was actually over an hour if you count all the the wild stoppage time and whatnot, but after a Johnny Russell red card, pretty hard uh, game. Uh, Peter Vermees said after the game that he told the guys at halftime, because they're already down a man at that point, that I just need you to run, run some more, run, 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 and then it's not like you're going to die, which I thought was kind of interesting, but... At the same time, it, it sort of makes sense, right? There's just those moments where they turn it off and they don't run and they make a mistake and they give up a goal. So I think that's pretty cool that we're now in the... They, they didn't die and, in fact, um, they pulled off the victory. So let's go back. Let's kind of hit the highlights of the game and we can see if you have any thoughts. Uh, Sheena was taking my freaking picture while I'm trying to <laughs> talk over here, holding the Sorry. camera up to the screen. So awkward. Anyways, <laughs> Eric Tommy. He had a heck of a night. He had three volleys that really stand out in my brain. But the first one was early on in the match. He hits this high, like, arching ball that's falling to him. First time, doesn't let it get to the ground. And he knocks it off a Dynamo player's hand in the box. And it's still almost winning the net is the crazy thing. The goalkeeper had to save it. But that led to a the first of our many long delays on the night. And a Johnny Russell penalty kick who of course he converted it because that's what johnny does what's funny is in the in the stands sheena did you hear the people around us talking about like oh who should take the kick who should take the kick and i was like johnny takes the penalties what are we talking about i think it's because Polito wasn't in the game and they were worried you know who, who's going to be capable of doing this but i got it yeah, was in there russell they, took it. yeah because they were discussing that i kind of forgot russell was on the field because he would be like the natural person maybe Polito if he was on um if he had been playing but yeah i was really confused and i was like oh who would take this and then yeah obviously russell took it right so he nails it they are in the lead things are going pretty well i would say not amazing necessarily you know like houston had their chances houston are have been really good lately honestly and they're a pretty darn good team this year they're you know well above sporting in the standings but then johnny russell gets a red card sheena i don't know if i told you this stat do you know how many red cards have been given to sporting kc's opponents this year you told me in the stands and i don't remember i think none none is is the answer yes and our buddy mike coon mikeopedia over there said that at no point in the history of sporting kc have they ever not had at least two red cards given to the other team through the course of a season so that's kind of unlucky right so they got another red it's their fourth of the year they're playing down a man and what'd you think did you get a chance to go back and look at the the johnny russell tackle did you think it was a red card 
I did not go back and look at it. Sorry, I'm not well-prepared listeners. I apologize. Ca- it's casual perspective, right? <laughs> casual, yeah. If we don't watch it after we attend the games, I'm not going to pull up the highlights. So anyways, but yeah, in the moment, I mean, it happened pretty close to us. So I definitely was like, ooh, that looks bad. I thought maybe a yellow. I definitely did not think under any circumstance it was a straight red. But if a yellow had been given, I would have been like, yeah, I think that's fine. Um, It felt like a long time before the ref even came over to the injured player. So that kind of surprised me that they would even go and review it because maybe it was only 30 seconds. It felt like forever. We were just just waiting for the game to start back up. You know, honestly, it was a weird circumstance altogether because I'm pretty sure they called a throw in. I don't think they called a foul at all. But then while they're checking on the injured player, you know, Penso gets the word in his ear to go over and look at it. My real problem with the sequence is it takes like four minutes from when the foul is committed to when they finally give the red card. And if it's taking four minutes, of which, you know, a couple of minutes were at the monitor, it's not clear and obvious. And I don't think you give the red card. In super slow-mo, it doesn't look great. Russell, he gets the ball, but then he kind of rolls over the ball with his heel and then his toes, the bottom of his studs, get into the guy's leg. And yeah, it's kind of, it's pretty awkward looking. I think if you see it, it looks bad enough to where you'd give a red, but... I don't know what took so long. It either is a red or it isn't a red. And it was frustrating that it took as long as it took for them to get the situation. And now sporting are without Johnny Russell against the St. Louis in a, in a critical game, unless they dispute it, I guess, which I don't think it would get overturned if you did go, you know, use a dispute on it. Yeah, it, it doesn't feel like that even gets things don't get overturned very often. So I don't feel like it'd be worth even trying. But it would be bad if we're without Johnny Russell and Polito's not back. Do we know anything about the severity of his injury that I'm assuming he got on Wednesday? So I don't know for sure. It's a a quad contusion, I believe is what they were calling it. Somebody told me on Twitter they thought that Fontes kicked uh, Polito accidentally in a play. But then they couldn't figure out when that may or may not have happened. So I, I'm not really sure. He was just listed as questionable for this game, but then he wasn't even on the bench. Uh, got a played for a half, and then because of the red card, they were just playing funky formations. They basically had a midfielder, either Tommy Gutierrez playing striker, kind of false nine. They were keeping everybody behind the ball. Basically, everybody was just defending, trying to hold on at the end. But uh, yeah, I don't no update on Polito. We should get an update around the middle of next week. Okay, well, I do have one update for you, which is that Polito was at the Chiefs game along with Taylor Swift. So. He had pretty good seats. I saw that on Instagram that he was at the the game with some friends or I'm, I didn't recognize them. So I'm assuming friends. Well, he is very rich and he just got a new massive contract. So I'm sure he can <laughs> afford to go to some Chiefs games. So it must not be that bad, right? He's not having to, you know, like completely shut down his life. Yeah, I would agree with that. Also, I feel like when he signed that contract, I was like, I don't want to say it out loud, but I was like, gosh, it would be crappy if he got injured. And I remember during the Wednesday night game that he was a limping around or so I'm not surprised he was injured because I thought he had he was struggling a little bit on the field that night yeah hopefully they're just being cautious with him because yes you do have so much money tied up in him but how bad would it be if he suddenly is out and misses the rest of the season or something like that it would be very on brand for his prior stays with the team or prior you know stint his 
previous four years he's been around so i don't know i'm hoping it's nothing i i saw the limping too before he was subbed out on the uh, nashville game and i thought he was just tired you know the whole team looks pretty tired in that game as we'll we'll get to all right let's talk about some other stuff that happened in this sporting kc victory because we're starting with the victory that's i mean you got a wrestling nickname sheena switchblade do you know who that is sure don't <laughs> i like how you shook your head at first i was like sheena this is a podcast you have to talk uh switchblade jay white you know bullet club uh, ae dubs yeah anyways okay let's talk some soccer so then sporting down a man scored a second goal and i gotta give some credit to a man we give a lot of grief to one mr Kyrie shelton so he started the game he played the entire 90 minutes plus 12 minutes of first half stoppage time and whatever five or six whatever it was in the second half five i think and he had two really good plays on the sequence that led to the goal he had a nice switch over to Gotti kenda who's like kind of sprinting up the left hand side of the field then kenda kind of gets cut off by the defender and has to play it back the ball gets kind of passed around a bit and he ends up back at shelton's foot and he crosses the ball perfectly into eric tummy who has his next good volley on the night kind of hits out of the air forces a save or deflection off a defender i'm forgetting which now right off the top of my head and then willie agata is there to clean it up and he bangs it home for a goal to put sporting up two nothing for a brief moment how excited were you when that second goal went in sheena obviously i was very excited because at that point we were down a man we were without johnny russell so you know it's hard when you're playing down a person to score so I was very excited. I was also pleasantly impressed with how Shelton played last night. And per the usual, he stayed after the game and signed autographs for a really long time. So did Zussi. They were both out there the whole time signing. So shout out to both of them. But yeah, I mean, I was pretty excited. And yeah, I thought Shelton had a pretty good game. Yeah, I feel like it was maybe the best game I can remember out of him from 2023 and maybe even further back than that i could be biased it's it's this thing where we've talked about this before right where, where there's a lower bar for him we expect so little that when he does well um we get excited about it he did have some mistakes which is to be expected i feel like and towards the end of the game i really think he should have been subbed off you mentioned zussi twice it looked like zussi was going to come in the game and i thought oh they're going to put him on for shelton that makes sense jake davis is playing well you wouldn't take davis out be less pressure for Zussi if he's playing kind of wide midfielder forward instead of playing his typical right back spot where they're trying to defend down a man. But then they just kept sitting Zussi back down. He put his penny back on. He, he never got in the game. But before that last 10 minutes, I thought Kyrie looked really good. He he was holding up the ball pretty well. He was getting fouled a lot, not always getting the calls. He was running into space well. He's obviously incredibly fast. And the team does need some pace sometimes. So it was a and good win for him. And he was winning headers like yeah like intentionally jumping and winning the ball is yeah. crazy <laughs> yeah maybe he's been the getting stars some lessons aligned from, yeah something happened, <laughs> right yeah so good, good night for him um you know one other thing i wanted to kind of uh talk about and i i skipped right over it with johnny russell she i don't know if i told you he he gave an interview to the media in the locker room and i wasn't in there because you know i was, I was hanging out with you but he was pretty ticked about the red card understandably I guess the referee basically said that he did it intentionally. It was malicious. And he was very upset, very defensive about it, talking about how um, the 
The assistant referee is right there. He sees nothing wrong with it. The referee is right there. He makes no call. And then to go back and say he did it on purpose, uh, he said, quote, it's an absolute joke because he's never in his career done things that are malicious or tried to endanger players. And uh, I can't believe I forgot to, to give that quote. It's an absolute joke. Johnny, not happy about it. It's understandable. I don't, I think a lot of these players don't intentionally mean to, you know, get red carded. But yeah, I don't know if intentional is the right word, but I think that sometimes you make a play that is really reckless and you kind of know what you're going to get. We were talking about it today at the Sporting KC2 game. Do you remember when Cam Duke had like the double yellow card really close together in a game? I think it was last year and he got red carded and we're just like, dude, what are you doing? Like what? It was just not showing a lot of football intelligence. He like grabbed a guy and then chopped another guy down from behind. And it's like, of course, you're going to get yellows for that. And I think this is different in the fact that like Johnny won the ball like he got the ball they didn't call foul live they thought it was a clean play so to go back and then say hey i think you did this on purpose is i don't know i'm not i don't care for chris penso as a referee he was the referee of the first game against st louis and he let all those plays go where st louis was chopping down kinda and voltaire and that led to goals and then tonight he's calling ticky tack nonsense. Not that the Russell thing was ticky tack nonsense. It was definitely ticky tack. I think it was probably. You never heard the term ticky tack in fouls? <laughs> no. You gotta watch some more soccer, listen more so, some more commentary. Ticky tack for sure. Yeah. Okay, I've but never heard of that. Tell tell Sheena that this is a thing. I'm not making this up. I haven't made this up. I'm not saying you're making it up. I've just never heard of it. It sounds silly. Well, that's the whole point. Is the fouls are kind of silly, right? They're like little nothing fouls. You like bump a guy, and then they're like, oh nope. Foul, foul, but then, you know, somebody gets knocked down and they don't call anything. So I don't know. Like they're ticky talks. Ticky talks? Like TikTok? <laughs> What's happening right now? Isn't that oh, what you said? You ticky talks? Ticky tack. Ticky tack. Oh, whatever. Close enough. <laughs> oh my gosh. Ticky talks like a clock. Sheena, ticky talk <laughs> like a clock. Ah, um, okay. What's the, what's the Kesha What's the Kesha lyric? No, not Well, TikTok. I'm not going to sing it. I'm oh, not going to sing should. it. I think that'd be a real treat for our listeners, your beautiful singing <laughs> voice. <laughs> That's so rude because you know I can't sing to save my life. I, I did not say that. You said that. All right. Let's move on before we dig ourselves into a hole here. So we talked about somebody having maybe one of their best games in Kyrie Shelton. I got to talk about my boy, Nemanja Radoya. A few weeks ago, I gave you all a homework assignment and said, I need you to go watch Radoya and watch how he plays and how his movement is so good. Man, I thought he had the worst game of his season this year. And what's interesting is I tweeted something to that effect. Like he was on a yellow card. He had a few turnovers. And I said, I, I feel like he's had more turnovers tonight than he's had all season, which was hyperbole and exaggeration. I'm sure not statistically accurate, although I didn't look it up to double check. But I thought he had a rough game. And people are saying, well, he should never be playing. Remy should be playing the six. And I just cannot tell you how much I disagree with that. The stats really, really bear out that the team is much better when Radoya plays, particularly particularly when Radoya starts. So he had a bad game. I think everybody's excused of having a bad game. That whole, it was the third game in the week thing probably played a part in this whole situation. But uh, did you notice Nemanja? Did he stand out to you at all in a good or bad way? He didn't stand out to me, but I, he got a yellow in the first half. So 
I wanted him to come off at halftime and we were watching, well, probably not you. I was watching Remy and Daniel Shallowy warm up. And then at halftime, Remy had like, he was on the field warming up and he wasn't wearing his penny. So I was like, oh, he's coming on. And I just assumed it was for Rodoya, but it obviously wasn't because he was on the whole game. Well, Rodoya did not play the whole game. He ended up getting subbed out for Espinosa oh. eventually. Oh, that's but, right. Okay. Yeah, but I, I also thought that, that Remy was going to replace him. And then Remy ended up replacing Willie Agato, which was kind of weird. You take off your striker for a midfielder. But Aga- uh, Peter said after the game that Agata could have gone longer, but they didn't want to risk it. And that makes me, to go back to your Polito question, it makes me kind of wonder, wait, are you trying to keep Agata healthy because Polito's not going to be back in time for St. Louis? What are we talking about here? I don't know. So I won't lie, that comment made me a little nervous. But at the same time, good logic to you know save him for a game next weekend when you're you don't need another goal you need to defend and you know maybe Agata's not really known for his defense but they did eventually get Rodoy out of the game it, he was making me nervous I thought he's gonna get a second yellow that, that's all sporting needs is to be playing 9v11 and trying to defend at that point yeah it, he was playing kind of reckless at times so I, I was happy he got subbed off I don't know who I was thinking I was happy obviously to see Remy because uh, he is my number one player, which Chad wants me in the off season to rank all my favorite players or all my players in order. Yeah, when we were either driving to or from our daughter's game today, I can't remember, but I was asking Sheena to rank her top five players. It could be good off season content. Who are her favorites? And then I asked my daughter, could you name five players? And she got up to like seven, seven. eight, nine, something like that. And I was like, okay, yeah, this is better than I thought you were going to do. And then I gave her a couple more where she's like, oh yeah, I knew that. So I was like, there's only 30 players. What's funny is like the third or fourth player she named was like Cam Duke. She always remembers Cam Duke, but one of our <laughs> dog's name is Duke. So yeah, I think that always sticks out to her. <laughs> and you know, he's a little guy. She's little. So yeah, you know, there's some relation there. They can uh, feel uh, a kinship with one another, maybe. I guess. Uh, Chad, I was going to say... I was going to say my commentary on the game is that I was impressed with two people in particular. One was Jake Davis. I thought he had a pretty good game. And then I, Danny Rosero, he was just everywhere. Anytime the ball was in the air, his head was getting it. So that was pretty good. I'm glad because at one point in the, I think it was in the first half, him and Tamilia crashed into each other and somebody on Houston. So I'm glad they all walked away and were able to continue playing. That was a scary moment. Yeah, I'll admit in the stadium, it was kind of hard to tell what had happened. But when I went back and watched it on the tape, Amelia kind of basically barrels into Rosero while he's clearing the ball. And they're both down for a while. And I was like, man, you're going to have to make a double sub of your goalkeeper and one of your center backs. But I'll agree. Rosero was clearing everything. He was all over the place. It was wild considering how poor Sporting were on Wednesday to how good he ended up playing on the weekend. Uh, One more thing I wanted to talk about from the game, and then we can get the heck out of here. Oh, they did give up a goal. Thought it was a handball. But it turned out it wasn't a handball. It was a legit goal from Houston. But I wanted to talk about Peter Vermees getting a yellow card. So he was given a yellow card. I'm fairly certain it was for dissent, like complaining about some call. And he said in the postgame presser, about 10 minutes into the game, he was warned for being, quote, too emotional. But the card was, you know, much later in the game than that. And he, he gave this whole impassioned speech about 
he's proud to be emotional and he cares so deeply about this team. And he's like, I don't know how I think you'd want me to be emotional. I agree. I do want him to be emotional, not like irrationally emotional, but I want you to care. And he's talking about, I yell a lot, but I'm mostly yelling at my own players and trying to get them in the right spots and motivate them and compliment them and different things like that. And then he said, it's not even one of the seven cautionable offenses to give me a yellow card for being too emotional. But I brought that up because, Sheena, I haven't told you this yet, but at the Sporting KC2 game, they they won the penalty kick shootout over St. Louis and they've locked up, uh, technically haven't locked up a home game yet. It depends. MLS Next Pro is complicated, but they're, they're in a good position to get a home game. They may finish as high as third. But Benny got a yellow card really early in the game for yelling at the referee. And then he kept yelling at the referee, and I was very nervous he was going to get himself a second yellow and miss his first playoff game as head coach. And I was like, oh, how bad would that be? But I asked him about it after the game, and I said, do you think that you were too emotional to since we've been talking about emotions and head coaches in the, in the Sporting KC coaching tree? And he said something to the effect of the apple doesn't fall too far from the tree when he's talking about Peter being his coach and his leader. And I thought that was kind of a fun quote. We, Benny was, uh, he was in a pretty good mood because the team had, you know, pulled things out and won the won the shootout, which is what they needed to do. Any thoughts? Yeah, I had seen that on Twitter, that that falling far from not far from the apple tree quote. So I I like in general in life when people are overly passionate. Because if you're overly passionate about something, then I can get passionate about whatever, even if I don't care about the topic. So I I like when there's a lot of emotion put into a game. I feel like I was saying on the Wednesday game that that's one of the things I feel like in the press conferences and stuff that Peter Vermees hasn't been overly like pissed off or anything. He just seems really kind of subdued from what I've seen. And so it's nice to see that passion on the field. I mean, you get it every game day because you're always making those those video clips, GIFs or whatever. GIFs or whatever. Yeah, he, <laughs> he's a very, very impassionate guy. I think in the postgame, sometimes he's just trying not to get into trouble and to say things that'll, that'll get him fined by the league and whatnot. So I don't know. It could be any of those things. But uh, I'll leave you with this this statistic for Sporting KC, our, our buddy Daniel Sperry. We actually sat next together and watched the SKC2, SKC2 game today. Oh my gosh, words are hard, y'all. Since Sporting KC have lost a game this season, uh, since April, since April, because, you know, things were real bad at the beginning of the season, they are 8-0-2 responding from a loss. So that's pretty good. Eight wins, no losses, two draws. Pretty good stuff, which means they lost earlier this week. So before we transition over to talk about that, Sheena, any final thoughts about the Houston game, your experience, your stocking of players, wives, kids from the sideline? I wouldn't say I was stocking wives. I just mostly the cute little kids. But yeah, I it was a fun game to attend when that that goal happened in the last goal in stoppage time. I feel like the crowd or Tamilia saved a goal is what I mean. Oh, the crowd yes, went yeah. crazy. I was it a, like he saved two goals. I might be thinking of our daughters soccer game today where there was that oh, there was a double save, save by our, our keeper. Yeah, yeah. Did that uh, happen with Tamilia? I don't Tamilia remember also? if there were two I don't remember if there were two. I remember Corey Baird got in on goal and he made a nice kick save like really late in the game to to hold on and help the team win. So Timmy, 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 Timmelia. He saves our goals. Yeah, but I thought the crowd went crazy when that happened. Like it, 
it was a fun moment. We, I was jumping up and down and screaming, and I apologized Same. to the lady in front of me. I was cussing with the bad roughing, and there was this adorable little kid in front of me, and I felt bad. But then I didn't feel bad because I'm like, it's a soccer game, and you have to know what you're getting yourself into. But yes, it, <laughs> a lot of energy, a lot of energy towards the end of that game. It was a fun way for that game to end. Yes, I'm glad they held on. Really good, hard win, and it's going to be critical. There's only three games left, and they probably need to win at least two of them, if not all three of them, and two of them are on the road. St. Louis and Real Salt Lake, then a weirdly a two-week break. What the heck? And they come back for decision day at home against Minnesota. So let's take a break. We'll come back with more For the Glory, Casey. All right, and we are back. I guess we have to talk about the Nashville game. I'm going to lead with some stats here, Sheena, and then we can kind of go from wherever you want on this one, talk about whatever you want. Uh, I They lost 3 nothing. gross, blah. But I, I'm always saying, man, this team on short rest, they're not very good. But then when they get a full season's rest, you know, they're, they're so good. A full season. A full week's rest. Yeah, when you get one whole season off, you're really good. No, when you get a full week's rest, they, they are... They perform at a higher pace. And you know what? I went and looked up the stats to finally support my thing that I keep saying based on my feelings and my guts. So this is before the Houston game that I compiled these. So I guess we can add a win. But not counting the first 10 games of the season because I'm cheating and I don't want to count those because they were just terrible. And I want to put those behind us and pretend they never happened. Somebody said we could, if we get that like men in black pen, we could flash our brains to like think that none of that happened, erase our memories. I like that idea. But sporting our two seven and four on short rest two wins seven losses four draws that's four days or less the two wins were both home games now they have a third win also at home against houston and even that though not really very good at home two four and one at home on short rest pretty terrible but when they are well-rested, when they get basically a week between game six or seven or eight days, depending on what's going on, maybe some even longer because there were some breaks, they're eight, one, and one. And that one loss is to Cincinnati. And they were up 2 nothing before Polito got a, red, a weird, weird red card. So, man, if the schedule could just be built better, sporting would be in much better shape, it seems like, because they'd get their rest and they, they wouldn't be losing all these stupid games. So I thought that was an interesting stat, and it supports uh, what I've been saying a lot, which I'm always for supporting me. So that's a one and one this week in a short rest game. So they actually improved their their short rest schedule and there is no more short rest the rest of the way ironically unless they make the playoffs and then that might be an issue any thoughts about that before we talk about the nashville game in specific i still feel like regardless you should have a team built or you should rotate your players out differently so you can have a better record it shouldn't be this if the schedule can't be made to where it's just one game a week and it has to be a three game stretch you should have the team available to handle that. Because, I mean, we basically saw on win the Wednesday game, I was like, well, we're basically going to see the same lineup on Saturday. And with the, the exception of a couple of people, we basically did see the same lineup. So I, well, I think... Well, some credit. He, he did three, three changes for the Saturday game, but he did no changes from last Saturday to Wednesday when they played Nashville. So the same exact starters... And then you just okay, ran him but, in the ground and they got crushed. Okay, Willie Agata had to start because Polito wasn't in the game. So if Polita, Polito had been okay, he probably would have played a third game and then it's just two. And I get two is better than none or three is better than none. But I feel like as a coach, you should be thinking about what's best for your team. 
and looking at the stats. I think that was my frustration with the game. I think I had tweeted this on Wednesday when I was watching the game is that it hasn't worked. It's crazy to me. He doesn't look back on the other three game stretches of the season to see not only what didn't work, but what did work. And if he took the time to do that, which as a casual fan, I'm not going back and looking at that. But I just know based off of memory, putting the same line out, lineup out over and over isn't a, a successful strategy. And you're wearing people to the ground. You, that could be why Polito got injured playing back to back games. You know, you just don't know. We're lucky nobody else was injured, honestly. Yeah, I agree. I, I'm not going to defend Peter because I don't agree with his tactic. I was like openly annoyed. I was walking into the stadium on Wednesday with one of my colleagues and we were kind of talking about the game. And then one of the guys I was sitting with was like kind of weary like I was about the same lineup being in there. And then one of my other colleagues was saying, I think they're going to win. I think they're going to beat Nashville. And they lost three nothing. My, my thought is they don't make rotations because Peter wants to quote, like put the best guys out there all the time. Like he always talks about, I'm going to put out the best 11 guys that I think are most capable of getting me a win. But the staff Stats don't bear out that they win on short rest. So if you rotate and you lose, well, at least you're fresh for the next game, right? Especially on a triple game week. Like maybe you take some chances with some younger guys on the midweek game. Maybe you'll find yourself another Jake Davis that emerges and is like a talent that can be playing all the time. I'm still kind of annoyed. Like Marino's John East didn't get into any of the games this week. And like, why isn't he playing? He, you spent over a million dollars getting this kid. You're paying him over $600,000 a year. Get him on the field. Let's see what this guy's got. Let him play with some of the starters versus garbage time minutes when everybody's tired at the end of games that that's my real issue because peter in an attempt to not lose loses anyways runs his guys into the ground and then they're tired come the next game this hurts my theory a little bit because they held on to beat houston but i think a little bit of that is houston they took they were kind of cautious they didn't play the whole run of starters like they typically would because they're playing in the u.s open cup final against miami in the middle of this week so they were probably kind of turning their attention towards that not the very bad sporting kansas city team that they thought they were playing and uh somehow scored a goal on them shorthanded and, and beat them i i guess so i don't know i think that it it just is a bad strategy. And I was really livid about it on Wednesday when we lost because I, I would have been okay if we lost and we had played a completely different lineup or a mostly different lineup. And then you bring in your stars after the half if like we're behind and there's a chance. But the fact it was the same lineup was really annoying. I was really pissed off about it. And it, it just is unfortunate. I'm not a coach. I have no experience being a coach. I have no like credentials to be giving coaching staffing advice. But if it were me, I would not have the same lineup. I would have Johnny sat there. It is crazy. We have all like a lot of money tied into him and he never sees the field. And there's, you know, other players like that too. Was it the Wednesday game we saw Volader for the first time in a while? He did. He came on late because Fontes wasn't having his best night again. He's, he's had a few rough outings, honestly, recently. Yeah, he, he did got, okay he last got, night. Yeah, he was pretty good. They actually, he made a lot of key interceptions against Houston. Yeah. 
But he had a howler of a game against Minnesota, even though they managed to pull that one out. And then, yeah, he played almost this whole game before Robbie came on and subbed on for him. Uh, Valder, by the way, started for SKC2, scored the game-tying goal, and uh, sent that thing to a penalty kick shootout. Let's forget the fact that he missed his PK attempt during the shootout. Luckily, it didn't matter because they were up two penalties at that time. So It just it feels like going in. And I think that Wednesday game kind of reignited a lot of people who were Vermees out. Like it kind of reignited the reason why they feel that way. And I could see it. I don't know that I am on the Vermese out train necessarily, but it is really frustrating that if we don't make the playoffs, you could look at these three game stretches. Obviously, you could look at the first 10 games as well, but there's a lot of games to look at and be like, well, what is the common factor here? Like, and I think a lot of it would be we're using the same players. And honestly, with how old Fontas is, should he really be? starting every single game at this point like he it it's a, it goes back to not having trust in the younger guys and it's a conversation we have often like what is the point of having younger guys if on the team if you're not going to play them because you don't trust them so it almost felt like a bunch last, of wily veterans you know yeah it almost it felt like when zussi may or may not have come on last night part of me was like he should be coming on and taking off somebody who's tired but there was that fear on me that like what if it's jake davis coming out who is having a fantastic game just to get zussi back into his position and i feel like at this point if a zussi is gonna play he needs to play in one of the other positions he's a very versatile guy and could play different positions you have him sub in for somebody else but not jake davis at this point i think jake has earned that spot and it would be silly to put zussi back in it yeah i'm with you and i i would be okay with Zussi coming on to be a veteran present to help close out games when you're ahead. Uh, I made a, a idea a couple of years ago. I, I had this idea of maybe Graham Zushi, Zushi, Zussi should play. He's like a food. I'm, I'm, I must be hungry. I don't know what's happening. Uh, maybe he should play defensive midfielder. Now, I, I like Bredoya. I know he had a bad a bad game against Houston, but overall, I think he's been really good. But I wondered if he wouldn't bring a little bit of what Ilya used to bring, where he could distribute the ball all over the field from that spot. But it's the same problems as Ilya in the sense that he's not very fast, he's not very physical, but he'll work really hard. He'll, he's definitely going to put in the effort. When Zussi's out there, he is a hard worker. So I want to see Rodoya, but in general, maybe that'd be a spot you could see him come in and help close out games, or maybe even play in a double pivot. I know this is a term that doesn't mean much to you, Sheena, but no. instead of Nemanja Rodoya being the only defensive midfielder, something they were doing yesterday is they had first Remy come and play next to Rodoya. So they're both back there playing defensive midfielder. And then when Rodoya came off and Espinosa came on, they were both playing defensive midfielder as well. So I think maybe if you put Zussi in there as the distributor and Rodoya can be the guy that's positioning and shutting down plays or Remy could be next to him because Remy, you know, he's a hustler. He's all over the place doing stuff. I think that could be a way to get him on the field. Long story short, uh, yeah, I don't want him replacing Jake Davis. I like Jake. Jake works really hard. Jake is athletic and doesn't... I'm sure he's tired. He looks tired at the end of some of these runs, but then he makes another run. He doesn't stop running. Although Zussi was always good at that too, but he's just not as quick as young Jake Davis. You know what? Last night at the game, every time you said Jake, like you're saying something about him, I just thought of Jacob at State Farm. Like I just associate the name Jake with Jake at State Farm. I don't know why. I don't know why anyone needs to know that. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, it was super <laughs> <laughs> <Super random. laughs> All right. A uh, couple more things from the Nashville 
Bale game. I think in general, we've been pretty high on Logan and Denbe around here. And I think oh, you've been talking about him. how he's, he's one of your favorites. Well, he had a terrible game against Nashville. Um, I don't he, remember that. Was, oh, you've blocked it all out. Okay, well, let me remind yeah. you real quick. So you did on the first goal, today. I'm going to re-remind you and the listeners <laughs> in case they've blocked out the Nashville game as well. Uh, on the first goal, it's a corner kick. And... Fafa Pico comes in, flying into the box, unmarked. Nobody's defending him, and he heads the ball into the goal. He's short. He's a tiny man. Like anybody should be able to get up and challenge for it. And Ndembe just doesn't jump. He just stands there. So not great for him. On the second goal, he is single-handedly responsible for keeping Walker Zimmerman on side on an attack that was building. Then it's everybody else's fault for standing around complaining that Nashville was offside when they weren't offside because everybody but Zimmerman was offside, but only Zimmerman ran to the ball. So that's how the rules work. Then they end up scoring. And then on the third goal, I don't really want to fault Ndembe. He is involved in the guy that scores the goal. But I think it's just a really good cross from Hani Mukhtar off a set piece or I don't know if a cross isn't the right word, a good delivery ball and a beautifully flicked header so does that ring uh ring a bell sheena it sure does and i don't remember in Dembe doing anything wrong and i think you're lying right now about these <laughs> series of events so no, i'm just kidding i really don't remember the nashville game except for that we lost and i was really pissed about Vermees's decision making all right well if you don't remember it and i don't want to talk about it i feel like this is a good time to move on to the mailbag so Perfect. we got a few questions Questions. So first, Sheena, I'm going to put you on the spot. Um, listener okay. Alex Brown at Alex Brown KC says, quote, I feel like Sheena needs to answer for her Temmelia slander from earlier in the season. Kidding aside, how have you felt about his form now? And what's that meant for Pools Camp having to salvage some minutes with SKC2? Clearly, Tim's at a high level. When does the torch get passed? Sheena, do you remember slandering Temmelia <laughs> early in the season? Uh, I don't. I'm sure I did because I really like like Pools Camp, but I don't remember specifically what I was saying. Do you remember what I was saying? I don't either. I think maybe because we've done like 50 some episodes of this podcast, like it all starts to blur together. And sometimes I can't remember what is a conversation we had on here versus what's a conversation we had like in person. So yeah. I, my gut tells me you were probably saying he's old and it's time to move on from him. I don't know. I'm just making yeah. that up. So I can't really remember. Sometimes, that feels like something you would say. Sometimes in soccer, I am an ageist. I hate that that's who I am. But yeah, whatever I said about him, obviously, I don't mean I say it because I just really like Pulse Camp. And there is a part of me that wants to, you know, not not move on from Tamilia, but uh, at some point we have to transition to the future, just like Zussi, you know, I, I love Zussi too. And so, you know, with those older players, you do have to transition. So I just feel like that should be coming sooner than later. Kind of what I want to see with some of these players is kind of what Roger Espinosa is doing. And I don't know that it would happen where like Zussi, Milia, they go on like the minimum requirements so they can stay on the team they have that that great you know leader those leadership skills they can still come in there i i want to see that i think you know i i don't know when you start having pools camp or macintosh or somebody else 
take over for Milia, but I think he has at least another year on his contract. So I'm sure with the ver- the way Vermees likes to play the veteran players, that he'll be the starter for next season unless he gets hurt. And based on his track record of the last few seasons, he's bound to get hurt. And and then I hope we see Pulse Camp at that point permanently. Yeah, you, you're spot on that he has one more year. Milia does on his deal, so he's guaranteed. Look at me. I'm so impressed with myself. <laughs> I just like pulled that out of my brain. Yeah, I know that I'm, we must be talking about this stuff a lot for you to hold on to it because I feel like I mean, you forgot a game that was three days, four days ago, <laughs> so, but you remember that set. Um, so I think, you know, obviously he's not going to be on a Roger Espinosa type deal. Now, you never know. The contract could be front loaded. It could go down next year. We've seen some deals like that. Maybe they paid Melia more this year and he'll get less next year. But right now he's getting about 600 something thousand, give or take. I can't remember off the top of my head. I take that. He's definitely, yeah, sign me up, right? I'll go be the backup for Pulse camp uh please don't ask me to play any games but um, but yeah john i i hope he's the man of the future he played well again against the uh st louis city two today in mls next pro he's probably going to be the goalkeeper for their playoff run because i don't think tim Milia's has given this job up for anything we saw mcintosh warming up to come in I'd much rather see a situation like that where McIntosh is on the bench, warming the bench, not getting the minutes, and letting Pools Camp get minutes with SKC too. But their season is coming to a close very rapidly because they only are guaranteed one playoff game. And then if they advance, you know, he could have a few more and then he can go back to being the backup. But but long term, I hope it's John. And I don't think it's going to be John anytime soon because Milia has played really well besides that weird penalty kick he gave up against Miami. He's been really sharp. What was that scowl, Sheena? You were scowling. <laughs> Sorry, I was reading something. I'm fascinated, you guys, by this Travis Kelsey, Taylor Swift dating. Oh, boy. Yeah, boy. yeah no, okay. I know. I don't need more celebrity I know. gossip here. <laughs> I know. Okay, we're talking about uh, roster builds, defense, things like that, because the goalkeeper's defense. We got a question from Zachary Lagre at Sons of Lucy uh, on Twitter. Okay. Says, quote, people keep harping on defense, but during the first 10 games, if SKC had scored one goal, not one additional goal, just one goal, remember they scored <laughs> only three times in 10 games, they would have gotten 11 points and they'd be in second place in the Western Conference right now. So I thought that was an amazing stat. I did not fact check it to see if it was accurate. So I'm trusting you, Zachary. His question is, what can SKC do to improve here? So he's saying it wasn't the defense because the beginning of the year, we were getting some shutouts. We had a few shutouts. We just weren't scoring goals. Is it the defense now, Sheena? Is it the goal scoring? I mean, we didn't score any goals against Nashville. It's funny because because I remember before the season started, we were worried about the defense because Mm -hmm. we felt really solid with um, the offense. But then once the season started going, we're like, oh, the defense is actually pretty good. And it was more of an offense issue and now it feels like it's kind of gone back and forth all season between it doesn't feel like like last night maybe was one of the games where the stars kind of aligned for everyone on the team there's been a few of those games 
but I feel like it's either consistently the defense isn't playing good. It's like one or the other isn't playing good. I think that the defense still has some flaws, like Fontos is slow. He played good last night, but overall, I think he's slow. Rosero's finding his way, and I think every game he gets a little bit better from when he first started on the team, which we have to remember he came in like not, I don't know if it was halfway through the season, but he didn't start the season with the team. Yeah, not halfway. It was before yeah. the first transfer window had closed, but he wasn't there at the beginning. That's true. He he came in, but started immediately. If you'll remember, he got no... Yeah. No integration period. He was in right away. You know, I'll, I'll kind of mention here on the goal scoring, considering they only scored three in the first 10 games, they've scored 41 on the season. That's better than the Seattle, I'm just going down the Western Conference, the Seattle Sounders, San Jose Earthquakes, FC Dallas. Those are all playoff teams right now. Also better than Minnesota, who's right behind Sporting, Austin, LA Galaxy, and Colorado. So they're better than all the teams behind them and then three of the teams in front of them. That's with only scoring three through the first 10. So I don't disagree with the the sentiment of Zachary's question here. If they just scored a few more goals at the beginning of the year, being a wildly different situation. And they've given up 44 goals, which doesn't sound great. And it's not great, but there's plenty of teams that have given up more. Real Salt Lake, Portland that are ahead of them. Yeah, there are not many more teams. Austin, LA, Colorado, a few more teams in the West that have given up more goals than them. But they're only at a negative three goal differential, which is literally the Nashville loss. If they just composed themselves against Nashville and not given up all those set piece goals, literally all the goals are well i guess technically the second goal wasn't a set piece but they all had elements of set pieces that was like a clearance from a set piece so yeah, it is know. unfortunate though that in those 10 games that yeah we couldn't have just if we had just scored in a few of those games extra goals and ha- you know we would be a we would have a playoff spot so it's, i'm with you yep so it's, it's not bummer. over yet it's in it's insane how broken MLS is that a team that played as hot garbagey as Sporting did for huge chunks of the season is still alive for a playoff spot. Uh, I'll just go ahead and give the standings right now. As of right this moment, they are just behind Dallas. They're in 10th place. They're one spot out of the playoffs, one point behind Dallas. Now, Dallas has played two less games. They're three points behind San Jose, who's played the same amount of games. Three points behind Vancouver, who played two less games, and four points behind Portland, who also played the same amount of games. So several of those teams within striking distance. Minnesota's right behind Sporting, and they play Minnesota again. They play Salt Lake again, who are in fifth, and then they play St. Louis, who are locked into the playoffs already. They are, and we're not. Nobody's catching St. Louis. I mean, well, LA could, LAFC could technically. All right, next question on the list here, Sheena. This one's a short term. Speaking of St. Louis, from Bill Wickham at Wickmister on Twitter. Not really a question, but Johnny out versus St. Louis with the red. Uh, we could potentially see Polito and Agata on the field at the same time. Do you think Allen will be available? So we already kind of talked about it. We don't know if Polito is going to be available. If he is available, Sheena, we talked about this last week or two weeks ago. I don't know. Life is a flat circle. I can't remember what's going on with time here. But uh, do you want to see Agata and Polito together, especially if Johnny can't play? I am pretty indifferent on it, but I don't know. <laughs> so impassioned. <laughs> I feel like I don't neither know. of them are healthy enough. Like, I don't yeah. know if either of them have not... 90 minutes in them so putting them out there together when you don't have one healthy striker doesn't feel like a great idea to me i feel like you get as much out of each of them as you can you've got shallow he seems to you know have an endless motor let him play and then if there's no russell they could you know maybe get that red car returned i doubt it then shelton played pretty well this would be a chance for him to keep going you got johnny's who never gets onto the field felipe hernandez has weirdly been playing winger a little bit for skc too 
So that would be kind of interesting. I don't really think he is a he winger, is not. but they've been playing he, a little differently. I don't think he's going to bring Felipe Hernandez or Cam Duke or anybody like that up to the A team, the OG team. They're unfortunately stuck in the land of twos. And so they, I, I'm with you though. I don't think they should be on the field together if neither of them can give it a whole 90 minutes plus stoppage time. I think it'll be Shelton playing for um, Johnny Russell. And maybe if Peter Vermees is smart, he'll take Shelton off and then put Janice on. I feel like maybe the issue with Janice is he hasn't had a lot of minutes, but then and when he is on the field, he's not, he hustles, but he's not scoring. So, which is yeah, the problem much, with right? Shelton as well. I mean, Shelton has that problem too. Shelton at least had the assist, but. Yeah, he, he didn't technically get the assist on that play because of the way it played oh. out, but he should have had an assist earlier in the game too. I don't know if you remember early in the, the Houston game, he had a, like a really good dribble. He got down to the end line. He kind of, the defender goes to the ground trying to get the ball from him and he fights through it. And he he lays it back off to Agata, and Agata just missed the net. But he was like kind of open in front of the goal, so Agata probably should have scored on that play too. But he did not. Yeah, I think I think you're right. I think it's probably Kyrie. So we'll see. I guess uh, one last question. This one might be too broad, so we might have to keep it short and kind of do this more as an off season question. This one's from Travis Mitchell at SKC Spins on Twitter. Even if we make the playoffs, do you think Vermees is the right coach, roster developer moving forward? Do you think we can realistically hope for silverware if he is our coach slash building our rosters sheena we've already kind of talked about we're upset with his young player development we just brought it up yet again in the answer to that last question do you think he's the right guy going forward i don't know i mean i don't even think it matters what our thoughts are because he has that long contract and so i just hope that he takes a serious especially if we don't make the playoffs really digs deep within his soul to see that there's some flaws to what he's doing and that maybe he needs to switch things up going into next season. Because I think if we have another losing season next year, he shouldn't be the coach going forward. I don't, I don't care how long his contract is, but like this would be the third. If we don't make it this season into the playoffs, it's the second season or third season without second being in a row, the- third in like four years. So it's, yeah. it's not great. Third, third tra- in five years, maybe. Yeah, his track record isn't great. And I would say, honestly, if going into next season, we have any repeat of what the beginning of the season is, they should fire him. But they're not going to. So I don't think it really matters what our thoughts are because it, what even what we want isn't going to happen happen if that's what we wanted what are your thoughts i think thoughts, it doesn't Chad? matter i don't think it matters to the ownership what our thoughts are but i think <laughs> the whole point of the podcast is like people maybe want to know what our thoughts are our opinions are oh, i okay. i do share i share the sentiment with you that he's he's not going to get fired like i think even if they crap the bed and they they lay it down at the end of this year and they don't make the playoffs which is still pretty pretty likely right they're still chasing a lot of teams that have a lot of games that they haven't you know they have games in hand that they might get more points and get further away from sporting so it's, it doesn't look great but you mentioned the extension his contract extension hasn't even started yet he's got a five-year extension that hasn't kicked in doesn't kick in until next season so he's still on his old contract right now i think that that matters to a certain extent. I'm honestly not sure he is the right guy to build the roster going forward. Here's my real test is when the season does end, there's going to be a deadline for all the teams to announce their roster moves. And 
if we find out that he is bringing back basically the band, he's getting the band back together for a third <laughs> season in a row where he makes almost no changes. You like that? Sheena laughed at my band back yeah. together line. <laughs> Um, then I'm concerned because it hasn't worked two years in a row. The definition of insanity, I say this every week, I feel like, is doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results. Sure, maybe they'll stay healthy next year. And I think when they're healthy, they do look really good. But if everybody's another year older, that's that's not good. Uh, we'll, we'll break down the roster stuff as it gets a little closer to the offseason in terms of maybe what moves we would make. Maybe we can play fantasy general manager, Sheena. We can fire some okay. players. We can we can do some stuff like that. I think that'll be kind of fun and interesting. And then maybe talk about what types of players we'd like to target, which we've done a little bit of that over the months. All right, Sheena, let's move on. Digital crawl time, y'all. I want to get you out of here. We're heading right towards an hour. We never finish in under an hour. What's our problem? All right, speaking of old Peter Vermees, Man, he's got some longevity under his belt. He passed 700 matches as a coach and player in Major League Soccer this week. Hit 701 on Saturday. So congrats to PV. That is, it really is incredible to to stick around for, for quite a long time like that. Uh, I mentioned Sporting Kansas City 2 winning in a penalty kick shootout against St. Louis City 2. I don't know why I emphasized Louis instead of City. Whatever. Uh, they did lose last weekend. They played Minnesota United 2, lost 2-3. to three. They lost two in a row coming into this weekend. So hopefully they've gotten right in time for the playoffs. So that'll be important. We'll know who and when they're playing on Monday. We'll know where they're playing. And then Tuesday, oh no, that's not right. Okay, I'm getting this all screwed up. By Tuesday, we'll definitely know who and when they're playing so check back uh, sportingkc.com you can check out that stuff we'll probably have it on the kc soccer journal as well um any thoughts about any of that stuff she i'm going fast you just jump no. in here if you want to jump in no but i have a story when you're done telling your digital crawls well i have a lot of them okay <laughs> let's keep going kansas city current last week this is not really a digital crawl item more as like a bunch of people pointed out to me in the nicest way possible they weren't mean that i'm an idiot uh i said oh maybe they should tank and try to pick first yeah they can't there's two expansion teams next year the utah royals and bay fc so best case they're picking third best case worst case i don't know how you want to look at that if they bomb out for the rest of these last three regular season games then uh, they'll pick third so there's that st louis city we keep talking about them this is this actually might be what you wanted to talk about sheena i saw you retweeted this article that the St. Louis City ownership group is looking into getting an NWSL team. They were targeting 2026. That would be the next year that there's an expansion team. Boston, who's coming in after Utah and Bay FC, paid $53 million. And the owners of St. Louis, they're interested in, in getting a team potentially as well. You want a team across the state for the current to have a nice rivalry with as well? I don't really care one way or another. <laughs> Man, you're coming in with all the best opinions tonight. That's what people I know. come here to hear you say you don't care i don't care i don't care all right well this i know you care about this next story so is it about messy oh, messy update i don't time. care about I, messy oh my gosh I, yeah that was on purpose <laughs> so uh he he limped off against toronto uh-oh and was subbed off in the first half they then chose not to play him against Orlando. That game's actually going on right now while we record. But uh, Miami did win 4 to nothing without him. It sounds like they're saving him for that aforementioned 
uh, U.S. Open Cup against Houston uh, midweek this week. So Miami have a chance to win a second trophy this week. So I'll give you a messy update next week. I know you care, Sheena, and I know listeners, you care. Uh, I got one more. I wait. I was gonna wait. I was gonna just say, could you imagine if you bought tickets to that Orlando game, hoping to see Messi, and then he isn't playing? Wouldn't you be pissed? Yeah. Or if you bought one to the Toronto game and he left after a few minutes, you know. But at least you got to see him for a few minutes. Like Orlando's worse. Although maybe between Toronto and uh, Orlando, you sell those tickets, but you probably lose money. I don't know. Yeah, uh, it's going to be a thing. You can't play in all the games, right? It's a lot of a lot of competitions. That said, European teams play a lot more games than MLS teams play, so maybe he can play oh. all of them unless he gets hurt. I don't know. All right. Okay. My last one is brief. The U.S. Women's National Team, they defeated South Africa on Thursday, and they played them again on Sunday, but I didn't watch the game yet. I'm going to watch it later. So, Sheena, what do you got in the digital crawl here? Well, since we're talking about the U.S. Women's and National Team, I don't know the outcome, but I do know it was Megan Rapinoe's last game tonight. Oh, and so. it was Julie Ertz's last game on Thursday. They, yeah. they subbed her off and gave her a standing ovation. So, two, yeah. two legends. It's crazy. Ertz isn't even that old. She just you know, wants to be a mom and her yeah, husband you know, her. is a multimillionaire NFL player. So, you know, she's and probably I, not mean to play. Yeah, I can appreciate that she realized her priorities shifted and she wants to be with her kid. And I am sad to see Megan Rapino go because she's done so much for the sport. But after the World Cup fiasco, I'm I'm sad she's leaving, but it's also like maybe it's time. So she's had a, yeah, a wonderful career, though. Yeah. yeah, she's 38. It's it's a rough way to go out the way, you know, her and Sophia Smith m- missed those PKs. But Sophia Smith's going to get yeah. plenty of opportunities to redeem herself. She's still incredibly young and talented. So, yeah. What, what, did you have a story for the crawl, Sheena? Or was it that was it just about Pino? Yeah, it was just about Megan Rapino and it being her last game tonight. I just thought that was pretty important to touch on real quick. Right. I like it. So let me give you all the schedule for the week of the games you'll want to be sure to watch. The KC Current are at the Washington Spirit next Saturday, September 30th at 6 p.m. Central Standard Time. Sporting KC are at St. Louis City across the state here at 7.30. And SKC2 will play in some stadium at some point. Uh, in their first round playoff matchup. Chad, you cannot go to the St. Louis game on Saturday. My mom will be in town. Please don't ask me again. Chad's asked me like four times. <laughs> Do you hear I Doug the Pug? I don't hear him, but oh. I block you out whenever you give me an answer I don't want to hear. It's like I blacked out and I don't remember it. And then that's why I ask again. I'm like, did you really tell me I can't go? Oh, okay. I forgot that. Um, man, it's, it's such a critical game, Sheena. No, it's fine. Well, I'll, I don't have to go to all the soccer matches, but I might try to find yeah. a way to watch it, of course. All of right. course. Wait, I was going to just say one more thing. I did have another story for the crawl, so we're going to rewind a little you bit. You lied. You lied. I know. Okay, I couldn't remember what it was, but it's in regards to the U.S. Nas- men's national team. Um, Greg Berhalter said that him and Gio Reyna have spoken, and when he is feeling healthy, 
they're in a good spot and he'll be coming back to the team. It sounds like. Oh, there you go. I saw Reyna was on the bench for Dortmund the other day. I don't know if he got into the game, but I remember seeing that there's a good account I follow on Instagram that like gives updates about the young national team players for the men. So it kind of helps keep me in the loop on what these guys are doing at their club teams and, and whatnot. All right, y'all. If you somehow made it to yet another hour long for the glory KC, cause that's just what we do. These are going to be an hour ish. I mean, I don't know. They'll be shorter in the off season. Uh, if you haven't already, be sure to subscribe to the podcast because when this season abruptly comes to the end and there's no defined games for us to record around, we who knows when the episodes will be. I mean, we're going to try to be consistent and still do them on Sunday, Monday type thing, but... Uh, you never know. There might not be news every week. It might not be pod worthy. So you tell us what you want. We'll try to accommodate you all. Just search for the Glory KC where we get your podcasts. You be sure to give us that five star rating and review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. You can follow us on social media. Get Sheena's takes on hair, maybe rankings of players at For the Glory KC on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and Threads. Or you can email your longer comments for the Glory KC at gmail.com. Follow me on Twitter at Play for Ninety. And finally. To play us out. Oh, I got to rewrite this script. It doesn't say the right name. Here is Splitter Conspiracy collabing with the Cauldron. Take care, everybody. Bye.